this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of liberty and prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Monday, December 12th, 2022. Can't believe it's December already. 13 more shopping days till Christmas. 18 more days until 2023. I don't know about you folks, but I'm going to be glad to see 2022 head on out. It was a really rough year for everyone involved. So, how's your end of the year activities? How are they going? Uh, Setting up some stuff here. For whatever reason, my software runs about three minutes behind. So I always end up going and uh, having to reload everything here. Refresh, not reload, refresh everything here. Sometimes I just like the song. Anyway, yes, this is royalty free. We have a lot going on over the weekend here, and since uh, the last time we spoke, we got walloped with our first snowstorm of the year. Uh, last night, we got about two inches of snow up here in uh, southern New York, and uh, I got a nice wake up call about 10 o'clock last night because my neighbor did not move his cars off the street for snow removal. So what do you think happened? They came out and started honking and everything else, the horn. And now that was lovely. The children got up and it was great. My wife was away on business. Uh, She uh, hosted a a conference in uh, New Orleans this weekend. So uh, she is uh, in the cancer uh, shores for a Cancer charity, most of you have heard of. So, but anyway, we have a lot of stuff going on here in the war front and with uh, missiles and everything else going on. So Japan is to buy Tomahawk missiles and defense buildup amid fears of war. This is a story out of Tokyo. Alarmed by increasing security threats and the risk of a war in the Indo-Pacific region, Japan will seek to purchase hundreds of U.S.-built Tomahawk cruise missiles as part of a major defense buildup, unprecedented in the post-war period, Japanese and U.S. officials said. The missile buy would boost Japan's long-range strike capability and mark a stunning break with a long tradition of eschewing offensive weapons, and it would enhance Japan's conventional deterrent as China undertakes a sweeping military modernization and North Korea barrels ahead with its nuclear program. Another one. More good news, right? Report Al-Qaeda gets material to make a nuclear weapon. The terror group, and this is uh, reported uh, by, not by a conspiracy theorist. This is reported by Newsweek who is citing an Israeli newspaper. 
and the terror group responsible for the 9-11 attacks. And today I was teaching a class for the university that I uh, uh, teach for, and it was day one of the 10-hour construction, I'm sorry, general industry outreach class. And we had a whole bunch of folks there, early 20s, and one of the questions I got was, when did I witness 9-11? And I said, yes, as a matter of fact, I did right from Hoboken, New Jersey. So, uh, you know, I feel like I'm getting old here. The terror group responsible for the 9-11 attacks has acquired a shipment of enriched uranium, which can be um, used to make nuclear weapons. Uranium was allegedly shipped from Iran to Houthi rebels in Yemen when al-Qaeda was able to intercept some of it. The newspaper... Uh, Mariv reported, quoting unnamed sources. I hope this is not true. Now, I'm going to talk to you about a little bit of a personal experience here. Is uh, FDA warns that LASIK surgery patients need to be better informed of risks before the eye procedure. So the surgery known as LASIK, laser-assisted in-situ keratomalilis, try to say that again, is under the lens of the FDA, which has caused controversy among eye experts. The FDA released an eye-25-page draft guidance after receiving input from patients who felt they were not fully informed of the risks and FDA's guidelines and everything else. So I guess they're not seeing eye-to-eye on things, pun intended. Uh, some of the uh, potential side effects of LASIK include, but are not limited to, Persistent eye pain and the need for glasses. Since most driving uh, 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 difficulty, driving at night, double vision, seeking halos around objects, in some cases, persistent eye pain. Now, in 2010, after I got done with the Gulf oil spill, I knew I was getting married and I wanted to live a more active lifestyle and everything else. I wanted to look nice for those wedding photos. And I hated glasses. I absolutely hated glasses. I wore them. For close to 20 years, 21 years, maybe 20 years. Anyway, long story short, uh, I went for a, uh, for LASIK, right? I had some moolah available. I said, you know what? I'm, no, I want to go out and get some, uh, uh, get LASIK surgery. And it cleared up. I went from a 2100 vision, meaning I saw at 20 feet what most people saw at 100, or actually it was 135 at 135 feet, uh, down to 2010 vision. And recently, my eyes uh, have gotten, I need glasses uh, in some certain cases for like reading and close in work. But I had complications because I had dry eyes. And what they do is they had a corneal flap that they used to. Uh, have and the flap dried out and detached and it took about a year almost about eight months roughly for that to get reattached and i had to go every week and they take like a ballpoint pen thing almost and rub your eyes like a rolling pen it was a horrible sensation but it worked uh, eventually so uh no i share this story because i tell you what eyes are not something you want to mess with I uh, was basically blind for three days. I couldn't do anything. I just blew a lot of money. This is when LASIK surgery was a lot of money. And, uh, you know, uh, the bottom line was we, uh, it, it, no, you have, uh, 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 
you can have issues here, and then there is risk to this. So it, it worked out fine for me, uh, but the doctor said he wouldn't do it again, <laughs> right? Uh, when I said, well, what can we touch up some of this stuff? He said, no, Jimmy, your father uh, uh, had uh, the same situation, and what happened was he uh, uh, was very similar to your eye, loss of eyesight now, right? Where I thought, Luke, go blind, but I need glasses. And he said it, it should resolve itself in five years where you're not going to need glasses. So I said, oh, wow, really? He said, yeah, five years. So anyway, uh, I'm going to share another uh, uh, story with you here. Uh, now, clicking through my stories here that I have, this just came up on hearing aids. Right, there are a lot of home hearing aid companies where they're selling hearing aids over the counter. And I would caution uh, anybody uh, buying hearing aids or anything like that you're interested in on them, don't, uh, don't jump the gun here on hearing aids, getting them over the counter. Go for an audio, uh, a, uh, uh, evaluation to an audiologist and a qualified doctor for that before you go for a hearing aid. Because my mother has been uh, dealing with poor hearing for many years as a result of her uh, experiences during World War II, which we discussed some of them last February on this program, on the podcast. And we're looking to get Imogene Salva back on this program. Uh, and uh, she had lifelong hearing issues, and she went for hearing aids, at a store, I'm not going to mention the name of it, and these are not audiologists, and they actually damaged her eardrum. How do you like that? And there are other issues going on, and she uh, went to an audiologist recently, and the audiologist solved most of her hearing, hearing issues in about three days. Right, But she's still deaf in one ear, because, and in part because of the damage done by one of these places, but we can't prove it. Uh, now, so go to a doctor. Milk in the clock. And football, football spelled uh, the way that, they, uh, you know, soccer, we would call soccer and Congress. So what does this have to do with Congress? Uh, only signed by the Rams last week. There was a football player. Uh, what was his name? Blah, 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 blah. Mayfield stunned the football world, leading Los Angeles to two touchdowns in the final three minutes of a 19 seconds to play in a game against the Las Vegas Raiders. I don't cover football. I know nothing about football. Mayfield fired the winning 23-yard touchdown pass to Van Jefferson, the scant 10 seconds on the clock. Raiders, blah, 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 blah. And it was good. What does this have to Congress, Right. Like Mayfield and the Rams, lawmakers, oh, this is a tra uh, trick on here. Lawmakers fight until the final gun as well, right? So this is what it comes down to. The government is funded until this Friday. If Congress doesn't act, the government shuts down. And we all know that that doesn't mean the government completely shuts down. That's a federal government. They still keep things open. And the state government still keeps things open. But things like OSHA, federal OSHA, except on an emergency basis, would shut down on this Friday night. So if you have any business to do with them, probably a good idea to get it done on Friday. But reason why I mentioned this story is that this uh, came up uh, last Friday on one of my projects. All right. Where what happens is, uh, no, I'm sorry about the football. What happened was 
they uh, want you to go away. They'll yes you to death. The workers, the supervisors, they'll do it. Well, hey, I'm just going to say, oh, yeah, yeah, Jimmy, and he'll go away. And this is a new project I'm working on. We don't know each other. And what happens is I made an issue over a situation on site. I won't mention what the situation was. And they were like, well, uh, well, blah, blah, blah. Uh, okay, yeah, 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 we'll get it fixed, we'll get it done. They don't get it done because they are hoping that I'm going to forget about it. They're hoping that everybody will forget about it. And then what happens is you don't forget about it, and guess what? They're, they're doing what you call run out the clock sort of thing. And they're hoping you're going to go away and everything else. And at the end of this discussion, what happened on Friday? We had a very heated discussion on site. And they found out that... Uh, on other jobs that they've been on, the safety professionals let them run out the clock. They just gave them a little bit of pushback. They ran away into the trailer, right, sort of thing. They didn't do their job. That was their usual thing was that an issue was raised, and they wanted to go out, and for whatever reason, the, the safety professional did not have uh, any letters after their name. There was really nothing to lose, and they said, look, I'm not getting paid a lot, so therefore I'm not going to make an argument over whatever. And by the way, if someone dies, someone gets hurt, so what, my company gets sued, I don't get sued. And that, that, that's what happens. So they thought that I was in that same situation, not realizing that, yes, I own a company, I have insurance, someone gets hurt, the worker cannot sue unless it's something totally egregious, uh, their company except if you're in New York State where uh, you have the scaffold law, someone gets hurt, you know, you just break out the checkbook. Uh, but, uh, but they were expecting someone to just give up on a safety issue. Well, guess what? I hammered a safety issue home, and uh, I'm not looking for an attaboy, but well, it's called running out the clock. It happens all the time in safety. Well, we're only going to be doing this job for a week. Let's consider it construction work. So guess what? He wants us to do X, Y, and Z. Guess what? In a week, it's going to be over. What do we care? We're not going to do it. We'll never see this guy again or this person again. And this is where you need to be careful. All right. So, for example, you're uh, on a job and you're needing your work. The workers need some type of medical evaluation before they go to their job. An asbestos, uh, let's say it's an asbestos job, they may need, if they're new hires, they may need a physical, they may need this, they may need that. If it's going to be uh, a couple-month job, hey, you're going to need physicals for this, blah, 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 or a phase of work, we're going to need respirators, blah, blah, blah. We're going to go, and we're going to do a, this for a week. We're uh, screwed. He's going to complain for two or three days. He's going to go away, and we're going to say, oh, well, we'll do it next time and try better next time. And then about six months later, you get a thing in the uh, yeah, a thing. And this happened uh, to one of my clients where somebody ran out the clock, like in football, this football story. And what do you think happened? Six months later, they got a uh, visit from an attorney because somebody claimed that they got they were supposed to get physicals before they got onto the site for a hazardous waste site cleanup. It was, I think, nine months later. Uh, they, uh, turns out, a couple of guys got overexposed to something allegedly on site. Now they have a legal problem. <laughs> Should have listened to your safety professional right on that end. 
Uh, and we ended up having to, uh, no, it wasn't against me because they called me in to do uh, problem solving afterwards. Uh, and there's really not much you can do that. The people were likely overexposed on the site. However, they were probably exposed on the previous uh, employment, but you failed to document it. But I'm rambling on and on. But what the issue is is this. People tried to run out the clock on you all the time, hoping you're going to go away uh, on this stuff, on the safety stuff. And it happens. It's a routine thing out there. And you can't let them run out the clock. Right. The other issue that we had on site, right, right, if someone were to describe what Safety Wars is, and they want us, one of the listeners there, he's out there, Anthony, right, uh, we were talking about what uh, is Safety Wars? What are we talking about here? It's about backbone, giving the safety professional backbone, coaching the safety professional to have backbone because it's missing in our field a lot of times. We don't put the effort together because, hey, it's not worth it. That's not worth it. That's not a, okay, and there are hills that you don't want to die on in the safety field. There's hills that you don't want to die on. That's verbally in, uh, in life where things aren't worth the argument. We get that. We, I get that. However, you got to do your job, Right? If your job is safety, you have to do your job. You cannot go and uh, just, again, let people run out the clock, let people walk all over you or anything else. So one of the things that the uh, people that we had a heated discussion with on Friday was I've never seen a safety person with backbone. Yeah, well, you're dealing with me. I've never had a safety person give me uh, 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 any pushback on anything. I said, yeah, I guarantee that you didn't because you're always yelling and screaming and trying to bully and intimidate everybody. Your coworkers, your thing and everything. I, I have no doubt in your mind that you're, that no one ever talked to you. And, uh, you know, and this is what the personalities were. These are the personalities here, hoping that they're going to run out the clock and, leave, you know, you're going to give up and leave them alone. However, when it's an ideal situation, you can't do that. Here we have people die from mRNA vaccine damaged hearts. Near peer reviewed German study provides direct evidence, allegedly. This is a story out of uh, uh, um, from medical pathologists from Heidelberg University Hospital in Heidelberg, Germany. They published direct evidence showing how people found dead after mRNA vaccination died. As a team of six scientists explore in their study, these mRNA vaccinated patients suffered from heart damage because their hearts were attacked by their own immune cells. This autoimmune attack on their own heart cells then leads to their damaged hearts beating so many times per second that once the tachycardia unexpectedly started, they died in minutes. The articles were in the Journal of Clinical Research in Cardiology, the official journal of the German Cardiac Society. So my uh, advice, as always, is to consult your medical doctor before you take any, do any type of vaccinations or seek any type of medical health. But just realize that there, this is still, we're two years into this, and va- vaccines take a long time to get on the market usually. And you know, find out about your own 
uh, situation before, you know, and seek your own medical advice. But realize this uh, stuff is out there. On last uh, Friday, I stayed for uh, half of a symposium of some sort, a lunchtime session with, uh, with an organization that were critiquing uh, uh, critiquing uh, the C- evaluating CDC in the wake of the COVID pandemic. And several uh, 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 doctors and researchers were on the panel and it was just very uh, 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 informative uh, to go and research all this stuff in here uh, for this. There were several uh, uh, people uh, on the panel. It was Martin A. Mackery, professor of surgery from John Hopkins University School of Medicine and professor of health and policy management from Johns Hopkins, uh, Ari Schulman from uh, editor from the New Atlantis, uh, Ronald Bailey, science correspondent of Reason, Manu- uh, Mag- Reason Magazine, and Jeffrey Singer, uh, senior fellow with the Cato Institute. It was, uh, uh, and again, Cato is a, po- a nonpartisan policy uh, a research uh, group, uh, Cato.org. They had a symposium on evaluating the CDC. And from their point of view, right, they're, didn't have a lot of nice things to say about the CDC and the way it was handling it. Uh, but it's nice to get a balanced point of view trying to get, you know, this group. And I, I also listen to the other groups. Where do I stand on vaccinations and the way things are handled? The, uh, my opinion is simple. Check with your doctor before any type of medical care, right? Or other medical qualified medical professional. Don't go off the internet. Right, you, because your normal doctor should know your medical history and risks and everything else. Number one, number two is uh, I'm fully vaccinated. All right, so actions speak louder than words. Number three, I've always said that the CDC is great when they're researching infectious diseases, but when they are communicating risks and things of that nature. Maybe they need a little bit of help on that. I don't think that there was any evil intention by anybody with this stuff. Uh, but again, uh, do your own research, listen to varied uh, sources out there, and judge for yourself. And again, uh, right, uh, listen to qualified medical professionals. As I said uh, during my class today, right, uh, we're teaching 10 hour outreach for the university. Uh, and there were questions on COVID that came up, specifically with respiratory protection, because that's what everybody's talking about for the last two years. And I said, well, look, this is what the issue is. You're a medical, if you are sick, where do you go to? You go to a medical doctor. If you are looking uh, for advice on uh, respiratory protection and biological safety, why don't you go to the experts on that, which are, on either side of this microphone, right? Uh, you are listening to Safety Wars. Tomorrow's Safety Today. And they're also on Safety FM. In the professional safety community, 
communication, and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. Okay, we are back. All right, uh, this is a game changer, possibly the, one of the biggest game changers in the last 50 years as far as energy is concerned, uh, probably 60 years. And is uh, we're awaiting for uh, a more official announcement. Uh, this happened at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California. Uh, they've reportedly successfully produced a nuclear fusion reaction resulting in a net energy gain according to several news outlets. Uh, it was reported over the weekend that our president, uh, Biden, was going to talk about this. I am still waiting for that. Gas station heroin is causing intense withdrawals and it's legal in most states. Tianapentine is an antidepressant, but it's being sold in the U.S., especially at gas stations, as a dietary subject and it functions like an opioid. A drug called Tianapentine Known colloquially as gas station heroin, has been banned by several states. It's being marketed as a dietary supplement. Some users are describing it as highly addictive. It's uh, 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 antidepressant used to treat depression in some uh, countries, but it's not approved by the FDA for medical use in the U.S., and it's not a controlled substance and is typically sold as a dietary uh, uh, supplement. All right, again, people, this is another thing we got to worry about. If you're a uh, work, if you're a uh, workplace safety professional, what do you do in this situation? They're taking legal drugs and they're coming into the workplace, right? Painkillers. Uh, I think, you know, how do you manage this? Uh, I have a, a, a former employee who was on a, a medical marijuana. Right, he had the card and everything, so he was on medical marijuana. Right, uh, first he was on. Uh, uh, what happened? He had pain. He had a career before he came to uh, my company, and he was in immense pain. And rather than going out and uh, uh, going out and going to a doctor, finding out the source of the pain, getting medical treatment or anything else, he said, "Well, some doctor went out and gave him a medical marijuana card." He ended up with a very serious illness, and he was dead within two months. Once it got to a point where he had to actually see a doctor. I was always in our uh, thoughts here, and in his family saw that maybe had he not been on street drugs, right, he would uh, 
would have gotten uh, help and would have gotten this medical situation, which was relatively simply taken taken care of, would have been wouldn't have been in that situation. He'd still be with us. Now you're going to say, "Well, Jim, what does this have to do with everything else? You're going down on these folks." No, I'm not down on these folks. We have a major problem in this country. That's the United States with pain management. Massive problem here. In the workplace, you have folks who are, especially in the construction field, and this has been well documented by everybody. This is not not new information. You have people in the construction industry that after 30 years in the industry, now their backs are starting to hurt. They may have injuries that weren't able to be resolved. They didn't report injuries. They had injuries, reported them, and now they have chronic pain. Now these folks get hooked on uh, over-the-counter uh, over-the-counter painkillers and all like this, like we just talked about, and they're also on prescription painkillers. They get stuff off the street uh, or what have you, uh, fentanyl, because they can't sleep because of the pain. And what happens? And we're ending up with over 100,000 people dead a year just on overdoses. And, and there is not one person that I know that doesn't know somebody or know of a family that has not been impacted by this. It's a nightmare, and uh, there's going to be a day of reckoning here. I was going to cover this other story, but it's uh, along the lines of somewhat of a conspiracy theory by some people. I don't know how math could be a conspiracy theory, but for some people, math is a conspiracy theory. All right? Cuba is having a huge issue because they have more people than ever leaving Cuba. We're having the same similar situation with people leaving other countries, right? Central and South America with the border crisis, the immigration crisis. We're not going into politics here. This is not what this is about. Everybody's guilty here on all sides of the political spectrum. So this is not politics. I'm not going into I am not going into the swamp. We're not going into the swamp here, all right? What we're talking about here is numbers. When you have all of the productive people in your country or a huge section of the productive population of a country leaving the country, you're going to have a demographic impact. Here we have... You're going to have a demographic impact. Why? Because they're not buying things. They're not working. They're not producing. They're not doing. Why aren't they doing that? Because they're not there. <laughs> right? So we have a situation in our country that is pri primarily impacting the young. Right? People on drugs are dying of overdoses. Uh, I, no, I forget what the number is. Maybe I'll look down, look it up real quick. How many people OD a year? I don't have a producer here to look this up. Okay. Drug overdose statistics so far in 2022. And this is according to National Center for Drug Abuse Statistics. We have had 1 million drug overdoses in the United States since 1999. Drug overdoses... Uh, reported from March 2020 to March 2021 are 96,000. And the, that's an increase of 36% before then. And uh, apparently we have more today 
right? More this year than last year, according to the article I'm looking at. I'm, I'm, now I've heard that from many different sources, so I'm going to go with it, all right? Uh, rough numbers. And I'm sure that those are underreported, by the way, like a lot of these uh, statistics tend to be. Now, what do you think the long-term impacts of that? You're losing millions of people, a million people in 20 years. You think that's going to impact our economy? Think that's going to impact our healthcare system? We just, we're up to 1.1 million COVID deaths, right? Now, a lot of old people were killed. A lot of geriatric patients were killed by COVID. People with comorbidities. What's that going to do for the economics of the healthcare situation? What's that going to do of, of healthcare in the next years? You're not going to need as many people, right? You're not going to need as many people taken care of. That's going to have an impact. You're missing 1.1 million people, right? 1.1 million uh, people, most of them older. Now, guess what? What are those geriatric nurses going to do? I'm not, right? What are, well, they'll go somewhere else, Jim. Okay, great. They'll go somewhere else. No, and the economy has a tendency of balancing out and everything else, but this is a huge disruption and everything. In Cuba, they're having a problem because all these folks are leaving, right? We're having a problem because they're missing all of these folks. I was having a conversation today with someone on uh, demography and uh, demographics, Specifically numbers, right? Uh, census numbers, right? We're not talking race or anything like that. That's not what I'm about. I'm about absolute numbers here uh, with that, even though a lot of people hear demography, they think, no, all different types of things. No, but we're talking numbers here and statistics. Things are not there. People are not there to do and whatever. Uh, just think, uh, baby boomers to Gen Xers. Uh, during the baby boom generation in large cities like New York City, they had to build more schools. Then Gen Xers came around. New Jersey was one of them. They built all these colleges in the early 70s uh, because of people looking to get out of the draft, number one. And number two was that the baby boomers are all going to college. Then what happened with Gen X? They didn't need the schools anymore. Right now, all of a sudden, they had all different types of continue, continuing ed, say ed, uh, plan, uh, continuing ed programs. They had to have non-traditional students, which I was one of them, come back to school and everything else, so they could survive. They had to change their business model. They had to pivot, all because of demo, demo uh, demographics. Harley Davidson motorcycles almost went under because the baby boomers were not buying motorcycles anymore. They had aged out of that purchase. So they had to pivot, and they went through a whole bunch of stuff from the mid-'80s to the uh, late-'90s, all right, and everything else. It's a very interesting discussion. Biden's EPA, EPA prepares to crack down on home appliances. The EPA proposed new rules on Friday that would restrict the use of refrigerators. Uh, hold on. Air conditionings and other things. To make it more energy efficient. It's probably going to raise uh, the prices of things. 
today, from the EPA, EPA releases annual automotive trends report. Today, the U.S. EPA released its annual automotive trends report, which shows that model year 2021 vehicle fuel economy remained at a high, at a record high, while emissions levels reached a record low. I guess that's good news, right? Air pollution is bad. The report also shows all 14 large automotive manufacturers achieved compliance with light-duty greenhouse glasses standards throughout at least uh, model year 2020. Today's report, this is from Michael Reagan, Reagan, EPA administrator. Today's report demonstrates the significance, the significant progress we've made to ensure clean air for all uh, U.S. automakers, uh, Hold on, this doesn't make sense. Today's report demonstrates the significant, I'm quoting him, the significant progress we made to ensure clean air for all, and it should be comma, as automakers continue to innovate and utilize more advanced technologies to cut pollution. Working together across the public and private sector, we can deliver on EPA's mission to protect public health especially our most vulnerable populations, and advance President Biden's ambitious agenda to combat the climate crisis. Human, humans versus robots. The battle reaches a turning point. This is from the Washington Post. All right. Warehouse robots at companies like Amazon and FedEx are finally able to pick up and sort things with human-like finesse. So my question is this. Will we start eliminating the warehouse picker eventually or selector. I'm sure that this will help uh, companies go out there and reduce injuries and everything because you have a machine doing it, right? And this is uh, what's going on is with the robotics is that the machines are take are basically replacing human beings for a lot of this stuff. Right now, uh, there's a uh, aircraft manufacturer a couple years ago that is using a humanoid robot to go and do hazardous paint spraying, right? With that, now they don't have to worry about ventilation except as far as uh, hazardous atmospheres are concerned uh, or anything like that because things are being handled by a machine. Uh, This is a study uh, put out by who did this. A consulting company, Accenture Forecast, forecasts that 12% of American households will be off the grid by 2035. So you're a prepper. This is good. You're on the cutting edge out there. We talked about being all, uh, about, uh, especially with the uh, th- uh, problems that they had down in Moore County, North Carolina last week with uh, their power uh, system being uh disrupted. NBC also came out with another report last week specifically stating that uh, 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 there were over 600 attacks on the power grid in uh, seven states over the last four, uh, uh, eight years. Wow. Something like that. 600. Guess what? When they came out with that, I said, man, people are going to be, this is going to become probably a new thing out there where this is going to resurge like it did after 9-11, disaster prep. Guess what? You have disaster prep here. I know one family, right, kids come along with sometimes strange interests and strange hobbies. One kid, you're going to love this. He's What's his hobby? Doomsday preppers. 
prepping for doomsday. That's his hobby. And, uh, you know, that's his thing. Maybe I'm hoping he's going to be a leader in the whole movement. Maybe by 2035, that could be his thing. New career. That could be his career. Teaching people how to be prepared. We need more people like this. But anyway, uh, now, uh, and the article I'm, Got this one said Abraham Lincoln liked the idea, saying the greatest fine art of the future will be the making of a comfortable living from a small piece of land. Okay, great. But uh, again, more people will be off grid. That means home isn't connected to a local power grid. So they're going to have their own energy source, such as panels, right? So in most cases that I've heard of, solar panels are connected to the grid, the quote unquote grid. This is as, and the, what the hope is, is as the price of these solar panels goes down, battery technology goes up, company, country, uh, communities, uh, and households are going to be literally off the grid. And with that end, you know, energy efficient appliances, right? So I don't know. We'll see how this goes. Uh, I could see, uh, right off the bat, uh, this is popular, going to be more popular. Now, what we, uh, uh, what I found out last week, and in New Jersey, northern New Jersey, Sussex, and County, and some of the other places are, uh, you know, people call me during the show. They know I'm here. A lot of places, uh, uh, and County, uh, Sussex County, Warren County, New Jersey, have a lot of off-the-grid people over there. And I'm like, wow, for a metropolitan area? No, people have bug-out locations there from uh, the uh, New York City and, uh, you know, uh, eastern New Jersey. I mean, geographically eastern, not eastern as far as uh, historic eastern New Jersey. All right? And uh, apparently there's a whole community over there. I had no idea of that whole group. All right, we're going to go into our money here. Dow Jones Industrial finished up 1.58% to close at 34,005. S&P 500 through, uh, was up uh, over one almost 1.5% one and, and closed at 33990. Nasdaq up 11,000. 143 Russell 2000 at 1818 and this is up 10-year treasury note also up right uh at 3.59 percent bitcoin rose today to 17.145 crude oil is up to 73.81 and we're gonna mosey on over our precious metals gold at 17.92 an ounce up Silver up 23.59. It's starting to move up there, guys. Uh, platinum at 10.2090. It's up $1.90. And palladium. Yes, palladium they use in catalytic converters. It's at 19.2150, which is probably why they're all being stolen around Metro New York. So we're going to take a brief break here. And we'll be back with you in a moment. 
Is your safety training old, stale, and hackneyed? Is your safety trainer still preaching a warped version of behavior-based safety? How about safety training that actually addresses your hazards in your workplaces and is not standardized baloney from 25 years ago? Contact the Safety Wars team at safetywars.com or call Jim Pozel at 845-269-5772. Remember, if you're receiving this message, you are the solution to unsafe workplaces. OSHA recordables, first aid cases, catastrophic losses. You want answers? So do I. This is Jim Pozel with Safety Wars. Okay, we're back. We're going to talk a little bit uh, because it's really fresh in my mind. Uh, as uh, I might have mentioned earlier, I was talking... Uh, I was, I'm teaching a course this week for the university I work for, the 10-hour general uh, industry outreach course. Uh, and we're, uh, I'm dealing with young people, right, just getting into the workforce. And uh, now they're taking this course. Uh, now, uh, I love doing it because I, I love doing this, especially for, a university because I find that I am given a lot of academic freedom in doing that sort of like me on this station. So if you what you're interested in getting like a safety wars, 10 hour course, especially the intro to OSHA and some of the other things, you know, give us a call and uh, we make it very exciting. Right. I, I know people who've gone through this stuff three or four times are like, wow, you know, those are some of the reviews I'm getting. But anyway, I'm not here to pat myself on the back. Uh, but anyway, some of the things that people uh, 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 don't realize, right? So, and, and this has been uh, the, what's the word I'm looking for? This has been the concept of the year. They're called rights. What's a right and what's not a right? I'm finding that whether it's with the Roe versus Wade issue, Roe versus Wade issue, uh, voting rights, all, a lot of other rights that are out there that are not enumerated in the Constitution, right? So we have in the Constitution, we have a lot of rights, right? We have the Bill of Rights, the first 10 amendments to the Constitution. We also have like 14th Amendment, uh, right? those kind of rights you have all different types of right for uh no uh freeing the slaves and all that stuff those are easy rights here right you have a freedom of speech it's enumerated no you have a freedom of speech you have a right to a second amendment right to the uh, right to uh, own a gun right according to the supreme court you have that enshrined in the second amendment congress could also talk about rights Right. What do we have? We have the general duty clause, right, under OSHA, where you have the right. I'm not going to go out. We all know what this is and everything else. Where you have a right, meaning a constitutional right, a right to a safe and healthful workplace free of recognized hazards. That's a right. So let's say you're a trainer and you are dealing with an underserved minority, at-risk community, like I often do, how do you talk about OSHA? How do you do that? 
the way I approach it is rights. You have a right to this stuff. You have a right to a safe and healthful workplace. You have a right to go home safe, right? And what does this? Uh, what does OSHA do? OSHA was created, right, in 1970 to give you these rights, to help guarantee your rights. And we there's all different, you know, everything else that goes into this, right? So what I often hear from other trainers is, Jimmy, it's a B-I-T-C-H to do the first hour of an outreach course. It used to be two hours. They said, how do I do this for a two hour, for an hour and back in the day, two hours long? So this is one of the ways that you could do it. You'd find out what kind of community you're dealing with. Because I tell you what, that hits home. You have a right to vote. You have a right uh, uh, to be secure in your person. You have a right against, un- you know, unusual, uh, you know, uh, a punishment. You have a right to a speedy trial. You have a right to a safe and healthful workplace. Makes it real simple. You have a right to know about the hazards of your workplace. You have a right to report an injury to your employer and be taken care of. You have the right to complain or request a hazard correction from the employer. You have a right to training. You have a right to hazard exposure. You have a right to file a complaint with OSHA. You have a right to participate in an OSHA inspection. And you have a right to be free of retaliation for exercising safety and health rights. Guess what? It's very empowering. It's all on how you present it. I try to present it with enthusiasm and empowering. The worker. I also talk about, right, uh, the history of OSHA. That's, you know, all this stuff is in there. And uh, this is how I approach all this. I'm trying to empower that work, trying to get into their head, inspire them, and everything else. Not to go after their employer. That's not what we're about, right? We're about working safe. Now, I could do that in a university. I could do that here on, here on Safety Wars live. I could do that on a podcast, right? Safety Wars. I cannot do that for a private client necessarily. So that is a different approach, right? You have to explain how it's beneficial to the worker, but it's also beneficial to the employer, right? On that, and both are true. How is it beneficial to the employer with this, right? This training and everything else, OSHA. One, very few workplaces, owners, workplace owners, want to have their employees go home hurt. Especially when they're a small business, that's a family. I look at it this way. I employ families. I don't employ people someone who comes on to my thing a member of my family and we have boundaries and everything else like jay allen always talks about having boundaries yeah you have boundaries and everything else do you want someone to go home you have pictures of their children on their workplace on their desk on their uh workbench their workstation pictures of their family do you want to send them worker home hurt no, you don't want that. Now, are there effed up companies out there that want that? Yeah, believe me. And they, I seem to be a magnet for them. 
I run into them all the time. As for the benefit is for the uh, employer, the, the benefit is, right, and let's say that they don't like that touchy-feely stuff. We have a website out there called Safety Pays on the OSHA.gov website, and it shows you an average, uh, and there's some argument and deliberation and everything, you know, well, those aren't the real numbers, and well, we know of a, you know, we know we know of a, a situation where it costs us nothing for an injury. Yeah, okay, you have that sort of stuff. Yeah, we get it. But you're saving the company money. That's more moolah in the bank. So, for example, let's say your profit margin on a uh, average job is five thousand dollars. You have an injury that costs you. That means you're going to have to have six of those projects or whatever it is to make up for that $30,000 loss at a project margin of $5,000. By the way, that whole numbers and everything rate of return is all on uh, any standardized safety exam out there, like ASV, CSV. I'm not, no, that's all in the body of knowledge, right? For those exams. Some people get that question. Some people don't. But, and I don't think I'm breaking any confidentiality agreements because they tell you, like, questions like that are there. Saving the employer, no, economics, right? Saving the employer money. What's the other thing? If you are a worker and you are hurt, we've all heard of absenteeism, right, where workers don't show up to work. But there also is something called presenteeism, where workers show up to work and they don't do their job. What's my point on all of this stuff? All this stuff. My point is that uh, the uh, it's not beneficial for anybody on any side of the equation here to get hurt, to have an employee get hurt. Morally, on your conscience, financially, bottom line stuff, it's not worth it. And that's what you have to try to do and you have to hammer home when you're doing an outreach training class. It's not worth it to get hurt. And then you cover all the rest of the topics. But that's, you know, and they have, you know, all different types of stuff that you have to cover and you go and you do that. But if you mention this type of stuff and you approach it from this as empowering the worker, then you're, you're, you're much better off at doing that. The other thing is, and again, like only I seem to want to do, not to many other people, is since I'm dealing with young workers and uh, I sprinkle throughout the class what employers do, some unethical employers do, how they end my stories on how, what to look out for. If you're going for a job interview with an employer, I go, I, right? What I do is, or a new client or what have you, you go over to the OSHA.gov webpage and you go over and you show everybody how to use OSHA.gov webpage and you have an establishment search. You look up that employer that you're interested in and guess what? See if they have any safety issues. Did they ha- have any flags from OSHA? Well, guess what? You go, uh, they issue that, and I usually ask, oh, okay, name a couple of, you know, I give them a break. Okay, we're going to go through and we're, name a couple of companies out there that you may have heard of or what have you. Then they always mention a local company. And the class knows, right? The class knows, and this knows 
the bad companies in the area, right? The word on the street sort of stuff. And you look them up, and lo and behold, all of, you know, there's more often than not safety issues. They were investigated for OSHA. They got a citation for this. They got this. There was an investigation, what have you. Uh, and remember, and I tell everyone, right? Everyone's innocent until proven guilty and all that stuff, all right? But this is the kind of stuff. Try to empower people, make them feel good. This first hour of the class, right? And this first hour can be done at the end of the class too. It doesn't say it has to be done at the beginning. Just that it's covered and included. This whole thing doesn't need to be boring. Doesn't need to be uh, hackneyed, boring. Doesn't need to, to be anything. Put people to sleep, right? And that's how I interact with it. And we do the, all of the stuff that you're supposed to. Hey, this is how you file an OSHA complaint. This is what they're looking at. This is a scenario. This is all this stuff going in there. All right. But uh, that's what I do. That's my approach. And send me some of your ideas, the way that you do it. And let's remember, all right, January is coming. Right. And especially in the construction industry, Things are slowing down for the winter. You need somebody to go out there to do safety training for you? Guess what? Where are your people? 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywords.com. The other uh, stuff, we've got a lot big plans for 2023. Uh, We want everybody to... Hold on, I'm hearing... Okay, that's coming from upstairs. I heard something in the background here. Uh, That's what I have for today. So I want everybody to uh, have a safe night. Uh, And if you can, enjoy yourself a little bit, right, during this holiday season. Uh, What did we do this weekend? Right, hey, this is another question. Hey, Jim, what did you do? We have a whole, out here, we have all of the Christmas light displays that people put out marked in all the different houses. We go to the same ones every year. We have one. Uh, I'm probably going to put it up on Instagram or Facebook or one of those other social media accounts that we visited over the weekend. Uh, I wanted to, my wife was away, so I wanted to bring my wife here because it's a family tradition that we go and we see this one in particular every year that's local and that uh, raises money for some local uh, for some local and also nationally known charities. So we'll see you back here tomorrow. Uh, stay safe, everybody. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.